Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to Queer Talk, a queer podcast that brings you a regular dose of positive news stories and fabulous interviews. Hi. Hi. It's been several weeks since we ended season two of Queer Talk, so Spencer and I thought we'd come back on and have a little catch-up. Yeah, we thought you'd all be missing us, which probably isn't the case, but we're going to pretend it is anyway because our egos need a boosting. I'm sure everyone's just been enjoying their summer and not thinking about podcasts. I hope so, although it flooded in London, right? Yeah, so that's what they want to do. They want to listen to Queer Talk as they flood in Stratford Station. Yeah, but summer in this country, girl, we... We absolutely have ruined summer. And also, with all the like lack of travel and stuff happening, I think people are starting to get a bit frustrated, right? I know you wanted to go away. I mean, you, you always want to be anywhere else. <laughs> Don't even start. I'm supposed to be going to World Pride later this month. But I don't even know if I can go because Denmark's got the UK on the red amber list or whatever rainbow list it is. But it's stopping me from going to World Pride and I'm fuming. Yeah, not the best, not the best, especially when it's World Pride. I mean, that would have been incredible. But instead, you get to stay here with me. Um, So actually, like, you got the best of both worlds, no? Uh, Best of, yeah, both worlds, if you want to say that. (laughs) I mean, I I personally would love to be at World Pride because most Prides have been cancelled, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, Brighton Pride's been cancelled, London Pride's been delayed down to, like, September now. Yeah. Manchester's just, like, a little bit pricey for me. So I'm, like, just clinging on to any Pride that I can get, because, you know, gays love summer, and, like, Pride is supposed to be a month, but it ends up being three months because we just dominate summer. Damn right. I can't wait for it to be 12 months, and we just do Pride every <laughs> day. I noticed that Gaydio released, like, a whole list of all of the Prides, and they've put, like, little stars next to the ones that are just online. So I think that that's really helpful. Um, I was going to do something similar but like really helpful so that even in terms of accessibility money Mm. no matter what like you can go find the pride that works for you and and get into it that's such a great thing to do because i've never seen a list like that and it's such a simple thing to put together because so many people need to know what prides are where and like yeah which ones are online virtual and which ones are in real space and which ones are ticketed as well and which ones are free and also every year there's more and more prides which is great to see like in london we have loads of boroughs opening up their own prides so, like, you've got Deptford, you know, you've got Clapham and all that kind of stuff, and Hackney. So, like, there are more and more prizes happening, and we need, like, a menu, basically. <laughs> it literally so th- is thank a Thank you, Gadio. Yes, Gadio. Thank you. <laughs> but we've, we've been busy. Busy, busy, we've busy. Been, we've not just been resting, have we? <laughs> I never forget in episode one when we were like, so hi, Mosin, how are you? And you were like, busy, busy, busy. Uh, I'm busy. busy. I'm busy, yeah. busy, <laughs> busy, because we were so nervous and we were like, what do we say? Because like, when people ask me, instead of saying like, I'm good or like, I'm fucking exhausted, I'm just like, I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a placeholder. I don't want to tell you everything I'm doing, I'm just busy. So like when I go to work in the mornings, I'm just like, oh, how are you? I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a very like boring thing to say, but it's just like, don't just 
don't. <laughs> it's such a bad vibe though, isn't it? To tell your boss like first thing in the morning, yeah, I'm tired. I don't really want to be here today, um, but let's just get on with it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but no, we have been busy. We have. It's been chaos and it all came out of, well, not out of nowhere. I mean, girl, we work hard, but like we all of a sudden were booked and blessed week after week. <laughs> I was on that train to London more times than I was like getting sleep girl and I was like okay so I'm gonna live in London now just for a little while hey the offer was always open get the gigs I always said you can live with me but um I'm not sure if I actually want to give you that yeah full of regret (laughs) I take it back (laughs) (laughs) but no we were part of queer student awards this year which is so fun to do celebrating queer students colleges universities teachers societies especially I think for me and you like being at university was like the first time we could actually be in our own space and be queer and like really celebrate that yeah so it's really good that we celebrate it for the young people today oh my god and oh my god Spencer not things about you don't say like I'm young no I was gonna say I hated it a little bit because when we're like I mean I'm like yes the young people and I'm like Wait, when did I stop being the young people? Like, girl, I was at university like five years ago and I thought it was last week. So now I'm like, (laughs) okay, cute. So I'm one of the not young people, but also hanging around with you keeps me young. So like, I'll always be the young one out of us too. So that works for me. Um, But yeah, it was so good to see up and coming people that are starting their journeys. Like, and we've both been Mm. there. So it it was so exciting to see that they're putting in the work. Like when I was at university, I wasn't doing this much stuff. Like they're out here like doing campaigns, presentations, organizing rallies, all of this stuff. And I was just reading their their descriptors. It, the judging took a lot longer than it was supposed to because we were reading these like inspirational little stories from yeah. these people. And I'm just like, wow. That's exactly how I felt when I was reading all the uh, applications. I was like, wow, I didn't even think about doing these things at uni. Right. Because actually when I was at university, I was just trying to like make friends who are queer. Um, just because I wanted to like connect with a community beyond what I already knew before which was like gay bars and stuff like I just wanted to actually talk to people yeah um who wouldn't judge me um and have that kind of safe space so but then they, these people are amazing because I guess it's like the more progressive the society gets the more comfortable people will be queer people at a younger age therefore when they get to uni they're doing more they're not like just doing the basics of what I was doing yeah. so like some of these people were fighting for gender-neutral toilets uh, at the student union. Um, Other people were putting together, like, um, leaflets and booklets to kind of tell the student body of how to interact with queer people, trans people, and what's, like, the right way to say pronouns and stuff like that. Um, So, like, all these useful things that people are putting together to make the student experience better for everyone. And, like, it was just great to read it all. Yeah, because this is the next generation of like adults as well, right? So they're going to trickle out of those universities and do that in their workplaces, in their homes, in, you know, wherever Mm -hmm. they end up. And that for me is really exciting because it, it, you know, it all starts somewhere. Um, So yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to do. And we hosted a panel for the QSA as well uh, on reclaiming the word queer. And it was really nice to bring a conversation we'd had on the podcast. And I was a bit concerned, like, oh, we're having exactly the same conversation. But people have so many different views and like perspectives on that stuff. And it was really, really nice to catch up with the people, um, the other judges and the other people that we spoke to, to kind of bring that out and go, okay, um, here's a new perspective, here's a new side to the conversation, like, let's go. And it was a lot of fun to host that. 
Yeah, and I, I still remember that Steve, the founder of Queer Student Awards, said that he was deciding whether to call it Queer Student Awards or LGBT Student Awards or something else. And he decided to call it Queer Student Awards because the younger generation uh, have reclaimed that word. Yeah. And therefore it felt fitting that it would be called Queer Student Awards. Um, so it was really nice to like have that discussion with an audience, with a panel, and really kind of dig it deeper into that with a new audience. So if you want us to host your panel, um, you can book <laughs> us at hellokeertalk at gmail.com. Um, we'll be waiting for your emails and your super large budgets. <laughs> True. But congratulations to Jack Stokes, who was the Queer Student of the Year from Dudley College. Yes, congrats, Jack Stokes. We know you don't listen, but if you ever do, <laughs> congrats. <laughs> But that's not all we did. No, this summer that was just no. the start. That was the beginning. Spencer had his West End debut. Yes, I was performing in the cast of the Mamma Mia. I was Meryl <laughs> Streep. Oh, okay. I thought you'd be one of the boys. No, the one of the men's. Ew. Yeah, I've never watched Mamma Mia. I think I've told you this before. What? I've told you this before. Oh my god! But we're going to call it out again. Must see. Mamma Mia Two was awful, but Cher was in it, so it is pretty good. But Mamma mm. Mia is is really cute, and there's a lot of hot guys. There's a big stag do. It's on a Greek island, and there's a lot of naked men running around in their swimming trunks. Okay. So you should absolutely have watched so that by now. This is it. You know me because like that's exactly how to sell the film to me, <laughs> and no one's ever sold it to me like that. Before. I just wanted to be Meryl Streep and sing, <laughs> and put on a blonde wig, and you just want to look at the naked men. Yeah, and they're, exactly. they're cute as well. Like, a whole other level. You, you know, um, my friend does hypnotherapy, and yesterday he, I just asked him, like, could you just do it on me for, like, ten minutes? Because I don't know exactly how it works. And what he does is take me into, like, this kind of, like, mindscape of things, and I can just create a scenario myself. And mine was, oh, I'm in a river watching lots of naked men. It's exactly how my brain Girl. works, like... I bring in naked men to every scenario as soon as I can. I know you do, girl. So I will watch Mamma Mia, don't worry. That was the entire... What you just what you just said is the entire plot of Mamma Mia. I think something else happens, like some more stuff, but like aside from that... And, and there's loads of daddy issues going on as well, which, you know, as queer people Perfect. absolutely can relate to. That is, that's my bag. Yeah. That's my shit. Okay, well, that's, um, your, that's your homework before the next episode. So the West End debut was not Mamma Mia. No. It was actually... Us at Vaudeville Theatre. Yes. Yeah, and we were interviewed by the Legends of Lockdown show. We were invited to talk about the podcast on stage. And the idea of the show was really to celebrate lots of individuals who have entertained the nation during lockdown. So it's really cute that we were invited to do that. Yeah, we were a bit surprised to get the call, but we were also very grateful. We definitely had been putting the work in beforehand, but to actually be called up and to be like, we listened to your podcast and it just made us feel, a lot of people say mm. this, um, you know, it made us feel like we had some friends or like someone on our journey through lockdown, through the pandemic when we were on our own and it stopped me feeling so lonely. And that for me is like, boom, like that was never our intention. I don't think when we started, it was it was to kind of, be that kind of friend to people it was more to kind of you know raise voices but it was it yeah. was nice to to hear that side of it and to go okay like you we're actually good people deep down <laughs> <laughs> oh it was great and um my highlight from that day was just before we went on stage we went to soho for one drink and you got drunk that doesn't sound like me. Mm, I mean people people do and I was really concerned like <laughs> Spencer we're going on stage like don't have another drink 
the thing is, people have called me one drink spenny. I don't know when this came about, but I never used to drink and now I really can't handle my drink. So like mm. one or two and I'm gone. I've been trying to drink every day consistently to get my um, tolerance up. But actually mm. I was just becoming a little bit of like a, an alcoholic. Um, so I decided that drinking every day wasn't the best way to bring your tolerance up. Actually, you just need to slow the fuck down. Yeah, I like the logic behind that. But also maybe if one drink gets you drunk, you should be drinking half a drink every day. <laughs> rather than just oh, getting full shit. drunk. <laughs> now you're just doing maths, scene. You know I'm not good at maths, okay? Before going up on stage, I definitely needed a drink because I just need that kind of Dutch courage. Yeah. So like a glass of wine is all I need before going on, on stage. Yeah. Any more, any more than that, I would be like a bit slurry or like a bit too loose and forget what I'm doing. So I like, I know my limit. And it's like one drink and then I'm good. I'm chatty. Two drinks. I'm probably a bit rude. <laughs> <laughs> Three drinks. He's, he's gone. He's gone. I mean, the Haribos that I bought in Sainsbury's on the way back from one drink Spenny were a saviour, right? We were, we were, we were like <laughs> in our little dressing oh room God. scoffing Haribos like nom, 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 nom. I've never done that before. I've never done like nervous eating. Oh, I'm not a nervous eater. I don't like. I think you are. I don't. I don't stress eat, but I do. Like <laughs> when you, I don't even buy Haribo's. But when you bought them and we were just about to go on stage, I just constantly was like eating it all. Um, so I probably owe you loads of Haribo's. Yeah, now. you ate all the jelly babies, and I was pissed. I think I did the same thing when we did the um, Queer Sort live show. Yeah, I just ate all the sweets. I bought Haribo's again because I was like, oh, cute, this is our tradition now. And then I got my makeup done because I was being a diva and we got her, we, we got your best friend Emma in to do my face. And next thing, mm. I opened my eyes and the Haribo's were gone. Stolen. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and I was nervous too. And you wouldn't let me have a drink because you were like, Spencer, come on now. Yeah, come okay. On. I'm, so no, I'm sorry no Haribo's, no drink. Like, girl, I was just starving and sober do you know what i mean and that is not a good vibe i'm like trying to britney spears you <laughs> i'm trying to control you oh my god free britney <laughs> no i'm i'm sorry like i you should have a drink you know your limits um <laughs> i will try not to tell you what to do when it comes to drinking it's okay, Dad. and we'll buy separate bags of haribo in future but it was great to do queer talk live our first live show wild and people came people actually <laughs> thank you for everyone who's listening and is in london and showed up uh, people who came out from outside of london to show up and support us it made a massive difference because me and spencer have never done a show and to have people around us who support us who want us th to thrive uh, essentially um made made that night so special yeah it was a mutual thing for sure like we have supported I think everyone in the audience in some way, shape or form on their journey and they've supported us on ours. And it was really nice to just have everyone in the room. Obviously it was pretty much just as lockdown had started to, to ease a little bit. And we were like, mm. it was so good to have, you know, our nearest and dearest in the audience. And weird as well to be applauded or to be laughed at or to like, to get an, a reaction in the moment. Because um, as you know, as listeners, we we talk to each other, you know, we pre-record, obviously, and we put it out there, and then we don't hear the reaction. Obviously, if you tell us and you give us feedback, that's cute, but we don't get, like, the laughter or you going, like, being gagged or what, whatever that it is that you kind of feel. And so having that in real life was like, oh, we're kind of funny. Kind of. <laughs> a little bit. Because <laughs> it's our first time doing it. It's like a new skill that we're learning in, like, a different environment. So, but it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. 
Um, and thank you to Above the Stag for hosting us and working with us to produce it. Yeah. Above the Stag is a LGBT cabaret and theatre venue in South London, um, one of the staples of queer venues in London. And yeah, it's great that they're doing cabaret more these kind of like podcast uh, live shows and they're branching out from just um, small theatre. So that's really good to see. Was that a sponsored post? You read that very elegantly. No, I don't straight up. <laughs> uh, Spencer, I came up with that myself. I'm very impressed. Ah. She goes off script and didn't fall over her words. Honestly, Mufsina is getting good at this podcast shit by an hour. I'm mm-hmm. impressed. I'm impressed. It was so good. And also, we had Virgin X performing. And this was the first time I'd ever seen drag in real life. So, I still can't believe that. I mean, shame on you for Mamma Mia, but shame on me for being an absolute... I don't even know. The first time you've seen drag in real life is in a show that you produced yourself. <laughs> How wild is that? <laughs> it was a bit <laughs> surreal. I, I get really anxious going into queer spaces. I mean, spaces full stop. And I always imagine that going to a drag show, like I'd be pulled up on stage and someone would laugh at me and I'd be like full on embarrassed, you know? But it wasn't that. It nev- It so actually isn't that. There's been a couple of times at drag shows where they pull me up on stage and it's so embarrassing because I, I get like straight fright and they're like asking me questions or making me do stuff. So I really don't like audience participation. Yeah. Because I get nervous about it. And I think I'm getting better at it, especially now that I've been up on stage. But I understand that fear. And once you are pulled up on stage, you'll get that fear, don't worry. I mean, now I'm like, girl, why aren't you asking me to be on stage? Um, I went to see a drag comedy show in Manchester last night, which was my first drag that I didn't uh, organise. And... Mm. <laughs> I, 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 Is that I the one with Lady Bushra? Yeah, Lady Bushra. My honestly, I'm I'm her biggest fan, and I think she finds me a bit creepy. But we're like besties in real life, so it's fine. Um, and I was I was so excited to be there. I asked if I could take my camera to shoot the queens, and and I really got into it. I was just like, I I beat my face. I got all dressed up. I've decided now, like, if I'm going out, I'm going out looking fucking stunning because otherwise, mm-hmm. like, there's no point. At the end, I was waiting to be asked on stage, but then every, like the show finished and they didn't, and then and then I had to just like pretend to just be an audience member. And I think they've <laughs> like they're resting on my talent, but that's absolutely fine. Um, I feel like in the future, maybe I'll be like scouted or something. You'll be scouted. You'll be discovered. But the. I've been out twice since since things have opened up mm. and both times obviously people are a bit tipsy in these scenarios but people have said like oh my god Sam Smith I love your music like oh my god you look like Sam Smith and like obviously I don't look like Sam Smith what who says this Dra- like drunk drag queens on the night do they yeah like they I think s- you look like Sam Smith I swear to god this has happened twice and, and I'll take it because I am Sam Smith's biggest fucking fan ever. But you don't look like Sam Smith. Oh my God, I looked gorgeous, but I didn't look like Sam Smith. I, I will agree with you on that. But I am I was so taken away. Like, literally, I could cry. Mm. If I didn't have makeup on, I would have cried. Do you think maybe Lady Bushra, being your friend, said to them, like, oh, Spencer's, like, a bit nervous. Could you could you just go and tell him he looks like Sam Smith and he'll be happy? No. I recken that's Listen, what happens. You're such a fucking soul crusher. Honest to God. <laughs> I was just, I'll take it. And now I'll like, I'll pay you later. Like follow me on Instagram. So I was thinking of starting like a Sam Smith drag tribute act. That'd be great. Like I don't think, I don't think anyone's doing it. And maybe there's a reason why no one's doing it, but because it's, it's slow, but I can't dance to save my life. But if I do the slow numbers first, I can mm-hmm. just do an Adele and just stand at the mic and lip sync. And I can lip sync. Okay. That's the one thing I'm good at. Then 
I have a little drink as I'm lip syncing in between tracks when I talk. You know, when you're like, hi, everyone, thanks for coming to the show. Yeah. And then by the time I'm wasted because one drink's Benny, I would be able to do, you know, uh, how do you sleep and dancing with a stranger and be like, you know, choreography on stage. I can't wait to see it. Can you do that after we do a few more live shows yeah, for Queer Talk? Yeah, I might do it at the next live before show. You, before you become a solo artist. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it at the next live. Yeah, let's do that. So we did Queer Talk Live 1. Uh, with Virgin X, mm-hmm. and we are planning to do Queer Talk Live two, three, four. We can go on forever. Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to get steps in. Yes. No, so we're really looking forward to doing more shows at Above the Stag in September, October, November. Love it if people could come and support us. We have no idea what we're doing yet, but we are going to figure it out, and there's going to be some great drag performances, singers, spoken words. Like, I think we can just bring everyone in. Everyone. All of you. But the first one was such a lovely event. And then afterwards, we went for drinks and it was great. And like, it was just nice to be in that kind of community environment again. I mean, everyone got shit faced, I've seen. It was nice, but we were all messy. <laughs> I mean, when I say community, I mean alcohol as my community. <laughs> so, how was Lady Busher's night? Like, how many people were performing? So, there were five or six drag artists, and we had some, you know, some trans women. We had, um, you know, just full-on queerness. There was non-binary vibes. There was a lot of bigger queens. It was it was just very diverse. It was cute. There was an actual audience. And um, unfortunately, there was this one white girl. That, there's always this one white girl. I think she's probably straight, but, you know, we're not supposed to assume. And she was heckling the whole thing. Heckling? Heckling. I know. Like, How dare you come... as in, like... She was saying it's bad. Well, she was just, just like, being shouting. loud and just yeah, ruining it. And like, queens get nervous too, right? Like this was their first mm-hmm. stand-up thing since coming back. And like you, you distract them for even a moment. You can throw them off yeah. their whole routine. Okay, really not cute. But every queen read this woman for filth as part of their set, which obviously wasn't planned, but it, but they were like calling her every name under the sun, and they were like, <laughs> oh wow, and and then. This woman, I know we're not supposed to laugh and I don't endorse violence, but this woman happened to fall down the stairs <laughs> in the middle of the show trying to get more drinks. And I think this was like, you know, was whoever's, in, was whoever's in the sky controlling all, all of us was like, girl, you've had enough, right? Like, no more drinks for you. This was very like, it could have been me, but thankfully it wasn't. This this woman, she was a nightmare, but yeah, she fell down the stairs. She was totally fine to like, you know, it's okay to laugh at her now. But like karma happens. Karma is a yeah. bitch and she was she was a nightmare. But apart from that, the show was amazing. I actually laughed, so like the queens <laughs> were talented. Um took some shots of them. They were like, Oh my god, make me look skinny, make me look skinny, which is something everyone does when you take their picture. I'm like, Okay. Was it well, was it a challenge doing photography indoors? Because you only do outdoors photography, don't you? I do outdoors because I'm a cop-out. I wasn't being paid to do photography, so I didn't bring like my flash and do it all legit. But I, I'm based in event photography originally, so I can absolutely shoot you in any setting. So also, book me! God, so this isn't an advertise <laughs> for your jobs. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So a couple of days ago... I went to Glass House in Brick Lane. I don't know if you remember Aisha, who was on the last episode. Yes. Um, obviously, you remember. I'm oh. to the listeners. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't oh, let's see. It's not been that long. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember Aisha? From... No. Um, I mean, to all listeners out there, Aisha, who we had on the last episode with her partner, Lexi, had been working to open up a new queer venue in Shoreditch, East London, for queer people that brings together the community outside of typical drinking venues. They call it a multidisciplinary venue led by Glasshouse Projects. And it's a there's a common space, this is a bookshop and a cafe which looks really cute. And there's the Commons, which is a multimedia event space, so that's where you can have you know, this, where the event I went to was a launch night, so they had performers there and they had spoken word and it was just like a lovely little stage with seating. And that's available for anyone to book as well. And then there's a common counter, which is like a restaurant bar, um, which is you know, it's just really nice and white marble and stuff. So that's in East London. And it's just great because Aisha was on the episode a, you know, a few weeks ago talking about it and saying, like, it's going to happen soon. And it was just amazing to go to the launch and see, like, OK, wow, she had a dream. She had allies and supporters and a team. And she realised it. Yeah. And it was a you know, fucking great night. Uh, there, were, there were performers like Shiva Raichandani, who was doing Bollywood and got the audience to all do like a few moves. So like I was Ooh, actually dancing, Spencer. I'm impressed. Uh, yeah. Uh, and there was Mark Anthony, who was a drag king. And there was other drag queens. There was some voguing as well from um, House of West. And like one of the most amazing parts of it was there was, there was spoken poetry. And they had someone called uh, Dilemma show up. And they did spoken word. It was like feminist poetry. And they were like talking about race, gender, sex and individuality. It was just like, I don't know. Like, I think my perception of what poetry is, is like, oh, that was really nice. That's really cute. Um, but it's not going to be something that's going to excite me to a level. Yeah. It's, it's going to be something like you appreciate and it's calm. But like, we were all like clapping, shouting, amazing. We were like cheering because the actual words were so, like, not radical, but, like, it was so, like, empowering. And Dilemma, if you have a chance, I would go and check out her poem, What If a Black Girl Knew? That's uh, on YouTube, and it's just, like, it's fantastic, and it gives you an idea of how amazing queer artistry can be. I was I was thinking about this yesterday. First of all, I was incredibly jealous that I couldn't be there. Living in Manchester... This shit doesn't happen as often. We have the gay mm. village, which is incredible, but we don't have these sober spaces. I mean, London doesn't really either. This is the first. This is why this is like this is why it's amazing. Yeah, big yeah. big deal. Um, so I was super gutted that I couldn't be there. I remember speaking to Aisha before it all started, and I believe this whole thing was organized or you know started from an ally. 
Um, Aisha knew someone who wasn't part of the LGBTQ plus community who wanted to give back and wanted to give a space to queer people. So I believe they have like a, a, an Airbnb three bedroom house nearby that they, they also gave up to a queer person who was homeless at the time. So they gave them a home and paid them to run it as an Airbnb. So they gave them a job and a home, which is phenomenal. And then they owned this space and they wanted to turn it into a queer sober space. And obviously Aisha had the vision and the, you know, the ally, I don't, I don't know their name, unfortunately, um, had had the space and, yep. and rolled with it. And I'm, I'm so... I overwhelmed and like Im- impressed and, and grateful that someone did that because it, it takes that kind of step up and go, you know, how many queer people own these, these venues and are willing to take a, a risk on, you know, money, because this is not something that's been formulaically done time and time again. This isn't something that you can guarantee success from. I mean, we, we've spoken about it a lot and we know that this is what the people want, but until, mm-hmm. until you see that as a, as a, you know, case study and as a success story, you don't know that's going to work. And so for someone to give up their space like that is is phenomenal. Absolutely. I think we always talk about what allies can do better. And yeah. it's nice to see an ally do better. Because otherwise it's all kind of abstract, like, oh, you can do this, you can do this, and you can be a better ally. But a lot of that, sometimes that rhetoric always sounds a bit confrontational. Yeah. As if, like, you're not doing good enough now. Um, so yeah, I think when Aisha and Lexi talk about how allies have helped them make this space and provide this space, it's great to see because um, it's kind of like, oh, I've got this place, just do it, like, do what you want to do, have yeah. it, you know, that's yeah. great because you're not trying to control what queer people do either, you're giving them full um, autonomy to create the community space that they want for their own community. Yeah. So it's, it's a Glasshouse Projects. It's at the top of Brick Lane, it, just by Shoreditch High Street in London. It's a great spot. Like it's, it's central East London. Uh, it's so close to me, and I will be going there. So if you follow my socials <laughs> at Mufsine, if Spencer, if you're going to plug yourself and your jobs, I'm going to plug my socials. If you can't plug yourself, how in the hell are you going to plug somebody else? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be posting lots of stories from there because it's a coffee shop and it looks really cute. Mufsine's just going to be taking selfies in this goddamn place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Get the content alongside all of these phenomenal things that have been happening there's been some slightly more serious and more important issues at hand that we have also been super excited to see and super proud to be a part of um there was two marches that took place and i believe there's another one coming up but mufsin talk to us about the reclaim pride march so the reclaim pride march is a march that was organised by Peter Tatchell, Linda Riley from Diva Magazine and Lady Phil, UK Black Pride. And it was a, it was like a grassroots pride protest march through central London, very similar to and very reminiscent to what we had in the 70s and 80s um, before, say, the corporatisation of Pride. It was a great Pride march and it's called Reclaim Pride because it's exactly that. It's trying to like get back to the fact that Pride is a protest, the fact that we still have things to fight for, uh, the fact that we put the community first and it was occupying space in central London, like no brands, nothing. It was just the people with placards um, and fighting about trans rights, gay conversion therapy. There was loads of placards for everything and probably anti-government as well because, you know mostly anti-government telling boris to step his pussy up and stop waiting on you know all Mm -hmm. of these 
just resting on everything and not not pushing things through you know we've waited i don't know how many years now with conversion therapy in particular and you know Mm -hmm. waiting for the gender recognition act to be sorted out and constantly none of these things just you know are happening slowly but there's also like so much pushback and so much fight that we have to do in order to like basically prompt the government that they should still be working on it if we if we become silent on the matter they'll go oh no one cares anymore we'll just we'll just put that to the bottom of the priority that's what happens if no one shouts about it no one keeps adding pressure yeah and i watched peter tatchell's hating peter tatchell documentary on netflix where they talk about his early days in activism and he was constantly just like you know there'll be there'll be a politician up on stage giving a talk on a podium and then he would come up with a big sign saying like gay rights like and then he would get arrested or like you know um taken away from by security and he constantly do that because like in that time, you had to keep applying pressure, keep yeah. doing like these kind of media stunts to get headlines and like bring t- attention to the fact that gay rights aren't where we want them to be or where they should be. So, this is exactly it. Reclaim Pride is there. That march happened. It also was happened at the end of June, I believe. Yeah. So it was around the same time as Pride would have happened if it wasn't delayed, and it's taken up that weekend, uh, which we always celebrate from Stonewall. And it's kind of a continuation of the old style activism where we're a bit more like there was no social media. So we had to make the headlines in real space. And I saw all the photos. It looked amazing. Uh, So many people right at the front, like I said, Peter Thatchell, Linda Riley, Lady Phil right at the front leading the way. I saw Aisha and Lexi there as well. Yeah, I saw so many people that we know. And it was it was really nice now. This is this is one of the things that makes me feel even more like part of the community. But you know, when you look at these pictures of crowds and you actually recognize the people, you're like, oh, wow. okay." you know, all of a sudden it doesn't feel like you're so shut off from like that world. You actually feel a part of it. And that that was really special. There was a lot of uh, great, great people, especially people like Aisha and Lexi, uh, you know, leading the way with that. And earlier this year, we had Trans Pride in London as well. Yeah. So the first Trans Pride happened in 2019 in response to some anti-trans slash turf uh, group storming the front of Pride in London's parade. And then from that, we had Trans Pride in 2019, kind of just to really say, like, trans people need a space where they could be themselves without being threatened or excluded. Yeah. And we've seen Trans Pride 2020, which I went to, which is like a, a march from Marble Arch in London, at Hyde Park, all the way down to Westminster, and this year we had a similar pride, which ended in Soho. Thousands of people showed up to it this year, yeah. like way more than last year. The crowds are getting bigger and bigger and everyone looked so gorgeous. It was so nice to see. I mean, I'm just here for the photos. Like, unfortunately, I couldn't be there, um, but people look phenomenal. And it, like to, to see that community out and thriving and also to see that there was no kind of backlash on that day, which is something Mm. we always worry about. You know, we worry about our safety. You know, marching is great and being with your people is great, but anything could happen. And we do, we do worry about that. But thankfully, you know, I feel like it was, it was a pretty big success. When you say that listeners might think what kind of security risk could there be? It's it's important to remember that last year, trans pride got canceled by the police because they basically said, so if, if anyone protests on this day, we will have to arrest you and that's because they were using like anti or covid regulations to say that yeah but trans pride got cancelled last year and then like a month later the, another trans pride got organized and this isn't just oh you know they were cancelling all protests because of covid like they, other protests did happen it was specifically trans pride 
that was said like oh we'll arrest you if you go out so this like it does happen you know and it happened last year and it was great to see this year that there was no issues you know police were there stewarding or like making sure it was safe and it's great that that happened this year yeah yeah there was there were so many speeches and stuff that took place as well and they're always really really motivational um kind of leading into um a film i watched um the other day unfortunately not not only because of the long waiting times for gender affirming surgery but there's there's so many issues that trans people face there was an individual called sophie gwen williams who moved from northern ireland to london and she had been in northern ireland for a while and thought and thought and thought to get to the top of the list um, for gender affirming surgery and when she moved to London she was put back on the bottom of the list because she'd moved to a new place and unfortunately that was too much and she ended up taking her own life and um, mm. this this was mentioned at, at Trans Pride. Now, I, I hadn't heard of this um, story which is horrendous. She took her life in May this year and it was it was so awful to see because Sophie founded an organization called We Exist where they fundraise and raise money in order to get people basically to go private. A lot of trans people seek private healthcare for their transition because it's you know, there's no weight but mm. there is a cost that comes to that. So people are constantly, we see it all the time, GoFundMe after GoFundMe, and people fundraising, not only to pay their rent and pay their bills because they can't get jobs uh, in a lot of, you know, without discrimination and stuff like that. So they're struggling to get paid, you know, day to day, and they need their surgery in order to be themselves and to feel human. And mm -hmm. yeah, Sophie unfortunately took her life. Now, all, of all the fundraising that Sophie did, she never took that money for herself. She never used that to get her own surgery because that wasn't the intention. It wasn't a, you know, a self-fulfilling project. It was, this is to help others. And unfortunately, because of that, we lost, we lost her. And so I remember just seeing this in a documentary I just watched made by Freddie McConnell for Vice um, called Lives on the Line. And I just sat and sobbed. Like, you know, we... I say this all the time, but we read about shit happening and it's and it's bad and it makes you angry and it makes you want to do something. But when you see the people, like the aftermath and the people connected to what happened, you know, yeah. so many people in this documentary had lost not only a friend, but like a colleague and someone that was a real change maker. And this person deserved to be noticed and seen and recognised and, and the work deserved to be funded and money thrown at it and and it was just like kind of low key, you know, not everyone had heard of it and not everyone probably even now has heard of We Exist. Um, and I urge you all to go and go and show some support, but just really fucking emotional. And I think Trans Pride highlighted that, you know, we think we know, but we don't know. And I always say this to you as well. Like we learn so much even on this podcast because we, we just don't know things. We, le we yeah. learn time and time again from like the bisexual community, from the trans community, from non-binary people, uh, from people of color about how different their lives are from ours um, mm -hmm. and their different intersections. And so this, this documentary was phenomenal. It's about 22 minutes long. You'll find it on YouTube. It's on Vice's page. It's, it's all over Twitter. And it really, really did just highlight kind of the difficulties that trans and non-binary people face. And the fact that, you know, they literally are just constantly having to fight for their own lives. And, mm -hmm. and that is just completely... It's, it's unnecessary and it's gross. And the fact that 
there's all this added pressure you know we as in you and I must see in the speak about you know being overwhelmed sometimes by our day jobs and doing extra extra stuff and trying to do activism at the same time and attend marches and support people and and then to have to not feel yourself in your body and have to fight for your life and have to you know go out and be abused every time you leave the house as well like it's something that you can't even comprehend so um yeah I would urge every single listener um to go and watch um Freddie McConnell's documentary because it it was really it was really beautifully done and it highlights you know the the highs and the lows you see you see trans joy you see um shots from the trans pride march you see people you know living thriving like doing doing really well but you also you also hear these stories that just hit hit you and you're like okay fuck like we need to do something about this um yeah lives on the line um by freddie mcconnell it's a 20 minute documentary it's very short yeah i I watched it as well and it was i think one of the quotes i picked from it was someone was saying we are just fighting for the right to just get on with our lives it's it's very difficult like to i guess be trans and not have the access to healthcare when we have the nhs which is a free service um not have access to healthcare which seems like everyone else does yeah it was it's some of the points in the documentary i mean i don't want to spoil it for listeners but it was kind of saying like the nhs hasn't renewed contracts with certain clinics which would help um trans men and the waiting times there was someone who was 40 said that when they were 14 they wanted to go on puberty blockers and because of x y and z like didn't get on them until they were like 21 23 or something yeah so yeah it's, it's such an insightful documentary and i can't believe it's only 20 minutes because they pack in so much yeah so so that was not good news <laughs> it kind of was good news it was celebrating a great documentary yeah it is a great documentary and it's a great education as well i think like we said it's been busy 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 the queer community i'm seeing people getting booked left right and center which is really nice and i'm really happy to see um so many people who have even just started their their trade i guess during lockdown i don't know if trade's the right word are you calling me trade your trade you're the trade of the season i've seen stop complimenting me um I can't believe we've been this busy during summer with live shows and stuff. That's great. You, like, I never thought the podcast would be there. You just wanted to, to flee and, and go and sunbathe somewhere. But instead, I tied you to your to, to your home and I made you work. And now look at us. Yeah. Who's Britney here? <laughs> I thought it was you. I want to be Britney so bad. Anyway, so I guess listeners need to, you know, watch this space and get into it a little bit for what is to come. Because season three is on its way. Season three is going to be great. Somehow we're going to do it with the live shows and it's going to be a lot, but we are going to thrive. Yeah. Book tickets, support us, give us your thoughts, give us your heckles. I think we can take it now. We, we've got thick skin. And let's fucking do this. Do not forget to let us know that you've listened to our show on social media. We are on Instagram at queer underscore talk and on Twitter we are queer talk underscore. Also please continue to support the podcast by leaving a review or recommending the show to all of your friends. Until next time. Bye.
When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.